The best bitch. Second rate show. Juggernaut of a podcast. Where we watch your suggestion. And see if we like it. Hello Patreon, this is Will here and uh, welcome back to another one of our second rate shows but sure I'm not here alone am I? I'm only joined once again by my co-host and cohort Kevin. Hello Kevin, how are you? Hello Will, how are you? I'm absolutely excellent, I'm enjoying this season of second rate shows or our summer DOS off season and uh, we're back again to do another one we are so Kevin the year we got was 2007 mm-hmm. did you do your homework did you find any interesting information and what the hell am I listening to that's the most important thing well what you're listening to is the number one track that was top of the charts all over the world at this time in 2007 and it's Umbrella by Rihanna featuring Jay-Z oh. under my umbrella Ella. Ella, hey, hey. Um, yeah, massive hit. Sort of launched Rihanna into the stratosphere as, as a pop star. In other news, it wasn't a particularly good year for news because aside from the iPhone being birthed and, and becoming this hot ticket item, we were about to undergo the Great Recession because the financial crash was happening. So all the subprime Way. mortgages were defaulting. And... <laughs> George Bush was looking for a bailout to save the banks and it was the contagion was spreading all over the world and it was um, oh it God. was it, we were in for some shit times but thankfully from 2008 everything was uplands from there so you know no more recessions <laughs> on the future it's, uh, it's been great since um, also <gasps> Sopranos was coming to an end so it was the finale to Sopranos with that famous cut to black hey I haven't watched the final season of Sopranos. What the fuck is wrong with you, Will? How can you watch six seasons and not the last one? Um, well, you see, I, I I missed the first couple of seasons. Actually, was there only six I was in seasons? My, I don't even know if there was that many, but I missed the first couple of seasons. I got on board. This is before box sets and all this sort of stuff. I got on board around season three or four. I was trying to catch up. And I remember going, oh, this is really good. And then the final season came around and I went, oh, I really want to see the start of this. So I just kind of like held off and I never got the opportunity to watch it from the start. So that could be a retirement project for me. Maybe. Uh- well, I was going to tell people that David Chase explained the famous ending to The Sopranos. Surely you know how The Sopranos ends because that became a... No, I've, I've deliberately avoided the ending. How the fuck do you ending. live? Were you under a rock? How do you not know how The Sopranos ends? The- those were my years where I was I was uh, I was drinking. like my, my college post college years yeah drinking I was drinking around that particular time oh my god and I was in college I was doing a masters or something I think I know where I was in 2007 as well but I will say for those people out there who do know how The Sopranos ends David Chase has explained what it means so if you want to know okay. what the meaning of that last few moments of the final episode mean. Um, he's explained it all and I was very surprised by that but of course it makes complete sense I was surprised more that he would explain what he intended I thought it was a, a lot better to leave that open to interpretation but no he told us so but in 2007 I was in LA I was an intern and I was working oh. for Richard Gladstein's company called Film Colony and um, really enjoying being there for the writer's strike <laughs> Wow, that must have been fun. So that's that was big news this year as well. That was the 
result of so many shit summer blockbusters in the next year or so. That was on the cards. It was coming. It was coming down the pike. I think it was, you know, November time, September, November time that hit. But yeah. uh, in June, it was still. Everyone was still happily taking scripts out and and you know having the the spec sales every weekend and the spec market was thriving and people had two step deals and. You know, there was pilot season. Everything was sort of, everything was bubbling away. And then it all changed. It all went skew-if after that. Yeah, we usually we usually segue into the box office. We're not doing that this week, are we, Will? Should we tell them what happened? <laughs> so last week, you spun yes, the sorry. wheel. Okay, tell them, Will. Kevin spun the wheel. We got that particular weekend from 2007. We looked at the box office for that particular weekend. You looked at the box office. This is all your fault. Yeah. This is my fault. And I've seen mostly everything that came out that weekend. And anything that I didn't see, I didn't want to watch. <laughs> so, so, what do we, we do, had Kevin? No film. But over, <laughs> over on Patreon, we asked randomly, we asked uh, our Patreon backers to send us in suggestions. So, as you heard with that opening title there the opening theme to this episode um, where we watch your suggestion not a flop and it just so happened that one of our patrons picks for us to watch a film was the same year as uh the films that we decided not to do so we're still doing a film from 2007 but mm-hmm. this is a choice that our patron patrick mcginley chose for us and i think patrick can give us his reasons why we should watch this one. So will we let Patrick tell us? I think let let it all fall on Patrick's shoulders. Take it away, Patrick. Hi, Will and Kevin. Patrick here. I love the show and I'm a bit sad that the current season is already coming to an end, but I've got some suggestions for your second rate show. I don't know what you've seen, so I have two suggestions. One is a movie from 2007 called Time Crimes by Nacho Vigalondo, which is a low-budget time travel story. That's great. And the other one is another low-budget science fiction movie called The Vast of Night by Andrew Patterson, which is about a DJ who picks up a strange radio signal. They're both 90 minutes long, which is the perfect length for a movie, and uh, I -hmm. hope you enjoy them. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next episode or listening to the next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay. (laughs) Patrick there with a a very strong Irish accent. We've met Patrick. Patrick came to our live show. So it was great to hang out with Patrick for the night, actually. We we did. Fair play to Patrick. Yeah. Um, So we already talked about The Vast of Night on the podcast because I brought that up. Yeah. um, On the single take scene episode. Because there's an amazing long single take in that movie. And uh, you hadn't seen it at that time. And I was recommending to you yes. to watch it. So you've seen it since then, haven't you? I watched it only in the last few months because I was trying to catch up on things that I hadn't seen. I was kind of trying it's to catch so up so good. Yeah, I, yeah I, I very much highly recommend this. It's on Amazon Prime, I'm pretty sure. It's a very low-budget film, but my God, the atmosphere. Stylish, though. Ah, and so, yeah, brilliantly performed as well. Like, you know, it's just this tight little Twilight Zone of an episode. That's what I kind of... I'm glad you said Twilight Zone because I think 
talking about both films, they have that element where it's it's a supernatural event and the characters aren't really uh, broadly drawn beyond that. Mm. It's just, they're sort of like um, plot robots that are navigating the mystery that's at the heart of the story. And yeah, I think Time Crimes and The Vast of Night are definitely Twilight Zone type tales. Well, I guess we should play a trailer or whatever you can find online, Will. Hit me. There we go. I'm hitting you. Listen to this. Has viajado en el tiempo. So, Kamir, that was a trailer for Time Crimes. As we already said, this is a pick from Patrick, our uh, our good patron. And to give you a very brief synopsis of this film, this is what I got from IMDb and Letterboxd. And what they say, what their pitch for this film is, is this. <laughs> okay, hang on a second. You're not going to give us... The, you're not going to give us a summation. No. You're going to read what Letterboxd have said. That's what I've been doing my entire career, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> what you expect me to do is actually do some work and actually write someone else's synopsis. A man accidentally gets into a time machine and travels back in time nearly one hour. Finding himself will be the first of a series of disasters of unforeseeable consequences. So, that's what they say. And I think that's already spoiling something about the film because it's more than I knew about the film when I started when I hit play. Okay, so I had seen this film before, but because I'd also oh, seen, okay. because I'd also seen The Vast of Night, I th- and you hadn't seen Time Crimes, I thought, well, I'll rewatch Time Crimes. But I saw this about ten years ago, so this was my second time watching it, and I had, um, wow, I had a, a different uh, f- response to it this time. No less. Oh, excellent! No, uh, it didn't change too much, but yeah. I guess this is a time loop movie. And at the time, mm-hmm. the time loop movies that, that existed were were very few. There was Groundhog Day. There was Star Trek Cause and Effect, that episode. Um, we hadn't gotten Source Code yet. We hadn't gotten Edge of Tomorrow. We hadn't gotten Happy Death Day. I hadn't written my spec script that still didn't get made. Still hasn't gotten made. Emma's dead. Great script. It's available. Um <laughs> The Lazarus Project, which is out right now, written by our mate Joe Barton on Sky, um, hadn't come out. So viewing it back then, it was there was a lot more novelty to it. Coming to it this time, I was almost feeling like the film could get on with it a bit more. Really? Yes. 
Wow. So I'm wondering how wow. it felt for you playing as a first-time watch. Okay, well, first of all, this is a film that was written and directed by first-time feature film director Nacho uh, Vigalando, mm-hmm. Vigalando, I believe his name. What a debut. Com- it's a debut feature. Also, he's He'd been working it. on it for five years. Did you know he's in it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did, yeah, because I did my trivia research, Kevin. I, I did my trivia research. I met him at a premiere. At, uh, uh, did you? At the guest London premiere. I didn't meet him. He was there. And I didn't. Um, okay. He was like talking to Adam Green and people like that, and I didn't get to, to say hello. Uh, I always find those things very awkward because you can't just walk up to them and say like, um, "Hi, how are you? Uh, you're Nacho, aren't you? Um, my name is Kevin Lehan. Uh No introductions needed, obviously, but a big fan. And uh, come here, Kevin. <laughs> in this industry, some people have no problem going up to people and going, "Hi, how are you? I am someone you don't know or care about, neck. but I don't give a shit." No, I hate <laughs> yeah, that. You stuff. have to. I have, hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, as you said, this is Nacho's feature film debut. He, did you know, was he did get an Oscar nomination for one of his shorts a couple of years before this, and uh, did he? Okay, he. Yeah, so he thought he was kind of like golden. He was going to be making his feature film within a couple of months. But in actual fact, it just still took him several years to get it up, up off the ground and get it financed. Uh, it had budget about $2.5 million And uh, it's a very small... You, you can see it's... A, 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 it's like a COVID production. <laughs> it almost is. Pre-COVID, it almost is. Very fixed locations, very small cast of a main cast of about four characters. And um, I found it very interesting that you say that you felt it could have moved a bit quicker because it could pace for me. I'll tell you why, right? So it's a time loop movie, as we said. And it basically, as I was saying before we, we got into the actual guts of the movie, playing the trailer and stuff. It's like a Twilight Zone film. So that there isn't much characterization mm-hmm. to the characters. It's just, they're there, something happens, and they're reacting to the problem. And it's all about the problem. How is the problem going to be um, fixed in a way where it's satisfying for us? So it's like a puzzle. And that's the engagement that you get as an audience member. You're not really watching this and rooting for somebody to... Uh, succeed in in some sort of personal accomplishment it's just sort of like they're dealing with a predicament and it's it's a very fascinating predicament and it's um that's that's all that the movie is about and that's all it's focused on so this begins with a guy who arrives at a house that he's either bought and they're doing it up or um or they're renovating their own house but they're they're moving into a place and that's all you really get to know about them. And then mm. I think it's the former. It probably I think is. they've bought it. It's a newly it's a newly bought house, yeah. That's what it is. It's and I think there, there might be some themes in that about sort of like um you know, in two thousand and seven with the whole mortgage crisis and what have you, where you get into debt and it's a spiral and you can't get out of it. No matter what you do, mm. you're trapped with this this albatross around your neck until it eventually just consumes you and your family and all you can do is just sit there and ride it out or go down with the ship is that reading too much into it I don't know is it just sort of an interesting location for the for the story to take place but this guy who's in his I would say late late 40s uh, arrives at the house with his wife she's building a table they're having sort of you know the natural conversations that a married couple who, who've been together for a while would have 
he is sitting in his new garden and taking in the view and he's looking around the property and he notices something in the woods and uh, it's startling and that the tension comes from what was that and him investigating what it was and then um, we learn through his investigation that there is a, f- a facility uh, on the next property over behind some woods, behind the road where... Nacho Vigalondo's character, he's playing a scientist in this, or some sort of engineer, is um, working with a time machine. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mishaps that take place on that route of him investigating. What did he just see? Which, you know, what draws him across the road? But it's not that the grass is greener on the other side, it's that the boobs are perkier. He sees a woman with her top off and uh, he strays away from his wife. That's my reading of the film is that this is a film, a cautionary tale about lust and adultery. That's what I took from this film. I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, the fact that it is um, a house that they're trying to build together or, or put, put their foundations down in, um, I think that those are thematic choices for this. So yeah, he strays. Mm. He goes across the road to see this attractive young woman with a top off. And he makes some despicable choices and some very dumb choices. And, it, you know as men are wont to do. Uh, men are pigs. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. He ends... But he doesn't go that bad. We, he yeah, does. He does. Because, right, this is a time loop movie, but we don't begin in loop one. He isn't the protagonist. He's the antagonist. So this isn't happening because of his choices. He's reacting to the choices of a prior version of himself. So we're in loop two when the movie begins. Well, this is a chicken or the egg. This is a paradox question. No, no, we are. We are. Because there's no reason for that girl to take her top off in the woods other than she's being forced to do it. And he forces her to do it in the third loop, the second official loop in the movie, but the third loop in the story. So that's why that happens. So we're in the second loop already. We're beginning in media res. And um, he gets, anyway, he goes across the woods. He trips up to this sort of lighthouse-like structure. Inside it, there is almost like, uh, uh, what do you call them? Those bats where you sit into and you you uh, don't... Like a sauna? No, like what a are they called? Jacuzzi? No, no, no. The bats where you, you don't have to... Um, a sensory deprivation tank. He gets into okay. one of those. It's covered in... It's filled with milk. And you have, to, you have to give the story a gimme, which is that he believes he's being chased by a guy wrapped in bandages, a sort of a Jason Voorhees type character. Mm-hmm. who stabbed him in the arm with a knife, with, no, with scissors, after he has yeah. gone to figure out why there is a woman with a top off in the woods. He sees some strewn rubbish. He sees a, uh, a strewn bicycle. He wanders into the woods and he sees the woman stark naked, like laying against a tree dead. And then he gets stabbed in mm-hmm. the arm and he flees from this guy who he believes is trying to kill him, this bandaged man. And it takes him to the lighthouse-like building with the, sensory deprivation tank and natural Vigalando is talking him through all this on a walkie-talkie where he's saying he's behind you come up here get in this and uh, he tells him to hide from the guy who knows he's in the <laughs> he knows he's in there in the sensory deprivation mm-hmm. tank and as soon as the, the the lid goes down it's the morning time again and it's the it's the day of him arriving at the house and he is then stuck in this loop of like trying to figure out the fuck's going on? How do I get out of this? And who can I trust? 
And the, well, we are in full spoiler mode here in this uh, film as well. There's no, uh, there, I think there's no way you can discuss this film without being in full spoiler mode. Pause it, go watch the film, come back. I come back to us. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll tell you what happens. I think he only jumps back, they say, about an hour and a half, an hour, an hour and a half. That's the actual time that he's... Um, he's he goes goes way back further because he does that S squiggle on the on the calendar and he says, you've gone back I, to the beginning of, the, of that afternoon at least because it's daytime. It's nighttime when he's there and it's daytime when he wakes up yeah, in the tank. I listen... To- uh, it's well. I listened to the director. I listened to a few interviews with Nacho Vigalando this afternoon, and he said, "Oh, it's an hour, maybe an hour, an hour, an hour and thirty minutes." And I went, "Oh, really? Wow. Okay. okay. That's what that's what he says." But it's. I think it's you know splitting hairs, really. Um, well, he's wrong. <laughs> what I found interesting, you were talking. The pacing is interesting, right? Because we're watching this film from two very different points of view. You're you're watching it for someone who already knows the twists and the turns. I came at it from some, from a point of view of just completely blind, not knowing what was happening. I was drawn into that mystery initially when he's sitting on his little uh, little sun chair, looking through his binoculars across uh, at this girl who's undressing, and the intrigue uh, drew me in. Right where. I was with him. I went, uh, you know, you. I understood. You'd go across the, the road to see the boobs. Be, well, listen, I would go across hot coals to see boobs. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, but he, he but thinks my, that there's something amiss because there are feet on the floor that's as exactly well. It. So it's not just that he's straying away from his wife. It's that he thinks that girl might be in danger or in trouble. That's exactly, that's the, what's what's implied is that he's going potentially to a crime scene and he's, 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 he's investigating that. It's not. And he's scared when he sees the girl dead, naked. He's afraid of her. Oh yeah. He, he doesn't want to get too close. He's like literally just tossing a stick in her direction to see if she'll wake up like, you know, he doesn't even want to touch her. Mm. I found what's compelling about the film is again, the character decisions that he makes as he goes further and further down this ever spiraling rabbit hole and his decisions as you already alluded to are more and more stupid and self-damaging and ultimately uh, he's, he's, he's fucking making things worse continuously for himself if only he would listen if only he would stay in the stay where he's supposed to stay when he comes back after the first loop. If only he if just he sit doesn't in the long, go into sun lounger and just stop making hams things. Yeah, <laughs> if he just fucking sat where he was and just didn't get drawn to the booth, he just can't not. His curiosity is kind of getting the worst of him. Yeah, but and he I can't can, just stay out. Of I it. can go with all the choices that he makes in the first loop, but once he gets into the time machine and he comes out of it, that's when I think. Hang on now, you should know that you are retracing your steps. I was, no, maybe this came up in, in dialogue because it, uh, the film is obviously in Spanish, so it's subtitled and I can't read. So I am trying to infer what they mean by the yeah. reactions of the Just, actors. But maybe, the gesticulations. Yeah, maybe. And as they're Spanish, you know, it's all mamma mia. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's Italian. You're fucking heated. <laughs> Listen, it's all the same to me. I don't judge anyone. Um, <laughs> Go on. The second loop, if he's retracing his steps, I would buy into him making that choice because I wrote another time loop story called Brink. Um, it didn't get made, but it involved a guy having to relive the same day again, exactly. 
the same way in order okay. to get to a specific point in order to save the world. And the day that he had to relive was a day where he was incredibly selfish and he um, and everything went wrong and he was an asshole. And so then he had to go back and redo that day exactly and make all the same choices, uh, even though no, he regretted all of them in order to, to get to a point where he could be in the same position and everything else, the butterfly effect wouldn't come into play. So he was having to um, to do all that while he had a defective robot uh, helping him along the way. It was a great script. Brink, it's available. Anyway. <laughs> Time crimes. <laughs> anyway, they don't say that in this. So when he's in the second loop and he's he's basically manufacturing the events that he saw in the first loop. Yeah. Are we to infer, as I have done, that he's doing that in order to replicate what he saw to get back to the same point in in the story, which is back at the lighthouse where his name is Hector and he's looking for Hector 2. And he realizes that Hector 2 is, is himself. Yes. There's a point where he does have that moment, where he does have that realization, but it doesn't come until he's... Luke I think he's three. gone too far down. I, I know. I don't think he's fully. He's. He's. He, I think he cops on with Hector too, right? On the on the first, we'll say loop, as he call he call he calls himself Hector too. Yeah. Right? We, there's only three when, loops in the movie. So. Yeah. There's three Hectors. We'll call them. There's Hector one, the first guy. Hector two, who's got ends up having the bandages, and Hector three. Although, without the bandages, uh, as as you guys know, now, I think there are four Hectors. And, uh, you think there was one well before before that, but then this is a this is a, the eternal head scratcher with any of these time loop fucking things. You can do the same thing for Back to the Future. You can do the same thing for nearly any time loop thing. There's the paradox of like you know the chicken and the egg. Yeah, but and that's something that will always frustrate me. They're in really time loop fun. They're they're quite fun. You know, I wrote one called In Future, which was about um, a married couple. That uh, another one. Yeah, another one. How many fucking how many fucking time loop films are you right? There weren't time loop. I did one where somebody had to go back in time. I had one where somebody was stuck in time, and I did one where somebody okay. could see the future. And this was about a couple that, um, before they're about to get married, they see their lives f- play out in front of them as me- as memories, and the memories fade. Ah, right. And they've only got a few hours until they'll forget everything that they saw, and they basically see how their life's going to unfold over the next couple of decades. And for both of them, it goes in very uh, divergent directions. And I've read this. You did. It's very good. It, is it available? It's available. <laughs> I haven't just been sitting on my ass recording podcasts. Uh, so I love this kind of shit. I love it all. But yeah, they are hard to... You have to submit to the story. You've just got to go with it. Because they're all yes. built upon a paradox. Of course, but I think the film does a very clever thing, a, a, a very simple thing a, a visually to help me get my head around it, right? Do you remember when Nacho, the, the, the director, the scientist, he's explaining it to Hector 2 what happened and he takes down a calendar and he draws this kind of like zigzag that line. Was, do you know what? I was glad that it, they didn't do the typical wormhole one, which is take two pieces of paper, fold them and pop a pencil through the middle. This was a very clever no, one. I didn't, it was a. It was just. It's just basically one line comes in, and it, z, it and there's an X point where he where he leaves that timeline. Think and of he does the letter kind of a, a Z. Think of the number two, or the or the letter yeah. Z. Yeah, 
he does Z. Z. Yeah, and he Z, he Zs back in time. So they basically kind of it's it's not like you've erased it, but you've just kind of like just made a little Z, and now you've sh- the, the, the Z kind of goes off into the future. That first timeline kind of ended, and as they you say, know, or that point ends. you're seeing a reflection of yourself. So when the two yeah. axes are um, overlapping, you can see events that happened prior to yourself. It doesn't make much sense, but it's it's a nice symbolic sort of um, way to wrap your head around this. Although I still love what they did in Looper, where Bruce Willis says to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I'm not going to explain it to you because you won't understand it and it'll just bake your noodle. So just there you go. accept Get that on this it. makes sense, but I'm not going to sit here and explain time travel to you. And yeah, there's no point. There's no point trying to explain something that's just not possible. And I, do you know what? I bet Ryan Johnson had it all mapped out as well. I bet that he could have had a scene where Bruce Willis went and gave like a 10 minute lecture <laughs> on quantum <laughs> oh mechanics. Oh my God. Have you ever seen the film Primal? <sighs> yeah, yeah. That film frustrated me. Okay. That film frustrated me. So I think if you enjoy this film, seek out Primer, I would say. Because I really enjoy Primer as well. They're both hard sci-fi films. Yeah, for some reason. I No, I watched Primer when it came out over... It's well over 10 years old, isn't it? It's probably 15 years old. Actually, let me retract that. I don't think Time Crimes is hard science. But Primer is. Time Crimes is, is, a, is a lark. Time is primer is very much more into the fucking science of what's actually happening. It's very emotionless, very detached, and uh, very impressive. Yeah, I, I just did. Oh yeah, for a low, really low budget film. But I just found this one to be just a very entertaining Twilight Zone like episode. And what I enjoyed, as as I, I kind of already was talking about, is one of the aspects of cinema that I love. One of the kind of types of stories that I really enjoy are stories that are like Fargo, where we have a character who is seems like a, a normal everyday Joe Soap. He's married to his lovely wife and they've got this lovely place out in the out in the countryside and it looks like they've got you know their perfect life really. But when he's put under pressure, his true nature is revealed. And the more he fucks up, the more pressure he's under and the more shit he makes of the situation and it's his own doing the whole thing is his own doing and i just feel this is this guy's true nature just just coming to the fore where it's all about self-preservation yes it's all about he's not a very likable character but he's the, he's, our, he's the only character we have so you're kind of wondering how are you going to get out of this how is this going to resolve itself um so i enjoy that's that i mean this. that's where it's a puzzle and we are partaking in the puzzle we're watching somebody navigate a video game and seeing how he gets off this level um we're not here thinking i like this dude and i hope that he can save the day it's just more a case of well how is he going to get out of this bucket of shit that he's stepped into yeah and actually you said you used the word puzzle because Nacho Vigalando uh, described that in one of the interviews he said he just loves the fact that this is a puzzle that's a puzzle for audiences that they can construct and just play with in their minds and have a bit of fun with when they come out of the cinema to figure out like how it all fitted together it was interesting listening to him talk about the writing and shooting of this because he said he ne- he definitely didn't want to do another time loop film after it because it yeah. nearly broke him the writing of it and then on set it's very hard even with the actors I'd never do another one yeah yeah 
can never do another third, fourth one. Fourth. That's it. You're just gonna you're gonna finish. You're gonna do only six. You're just gonna just cap it at six time loop films. That's it. No, maybe ten. Also, right? you gotta ten, remember, and you're done. Second and third drafts of those scripts. So it's not just oh. one draft. It's you going back and you're doing it all over again and thinking of things. So yeah, I'll do it once more. We'll see. Maybe the fourth time I'll get lucky. <laughs> but yeah, I can imagine after doing the movie and you've gotten it on your system and audience have seen it. That's that demon exercised. Yeah. And he was talking about on shooting the film, he was talking about moments where he just felt he, like, because you have to be so precise like you know about what you, what the audience sees and what they what they shouldn't see, and so trying to keep all of that tracked, you know, in 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 his head and even in the actor's head because himself and the actor were like walking around going, so okay, so where where is Hector now? Where's the other Hector and where's the other other Hector? You know, so it was an incredibly challenging feat to do it, but I think it was quite clever in how he staged the story for himself by having a limited location, limited amount of characters, a limited time frame, and as a result, he kept the the, the variables of his story as a, as a as a limit, you know? So it kind of works because it's so tight, tightly constructed. I liked that as the character was making more and more deplorable decisions and stupid decisions, he was getting uglier and uglier looking. He was yeah, becoming yeah, he was the villain. really grotesque towards the end. He was like a monster just you know, scoping around the house. and Yeah, it takes a, a very dark turn towards the end as this young lady, the girl who, who has to um, flash him in the woods at scissor point, he ends up exploiting her in order to save his marriage, doesn't he? I mean, we're getting right towards Absolutely. the end now. But what ends up happening is that it's a cat and mouse chase between his prior self and himself. And he's trying to stay one step ahead of his prior self. And then... Uh, dupe his next version of himself into taking the fall for all of his decisions. So, yeah, it's that it's, it's that thing of like he doesn't pay for his crimes; his future self does. Yeah, this dude is exploiting that girl from the first moment he realizes he's he has to he has time to. crimes. That's a great title as well. It is very catchy, is. but he is exploiting that girl. I like not at the very end, well. but from the ver- from the very first. <laughs> And Brink is a good title. Would they, do you know what? Do you know what? I would love to read a script, you know, with those particular titles. But if we could merge them together, it would be great. But I think he's exploiting that girl from the first moment he realizes, oh, hang on a second, I need to get myself out of this. I have to get that girl. Instead of saying, I'm, instead of actually owning up and saying, oh my God, I've made a massive mistake. I'm stuck. How can I? He immediately goes into self-preservation mode. Instead of like, I, it's wouldn't just, you though? I, I really wouldn't. Well, I don't know. I would, would do the things that he he does. I don't think I could. I wouldn't have done any of the stuff that he. I wouldn't have forced that woman into killing, getting killed for, to save my skin. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been able to live with myself, especially if they were, you know, making a movie about it. Uh, <laughs> no, but would you, if you went into that sensory deprivation tank? Mm-hmm. And you came out of it, and it's the day earlier. It's an hour earlier, as Nacho says. Would you make any of the same decisions that he makes? I wouldn't have gone down the woods, you know, exploring like, that no. shit. I would have gone back to my house and I no. would have called the wife and said, you She's know, gone fucking crazy. Or at least pick us up uh, a curry. The scientist says, go into that room and don't budge. 
that's what the scientist says. He says, go into that he room and do a fucking though. budge for an hour. He's setting... But no, hang on a second. I don't think the... I, well, the scientist... Oh, you mean the, yeah, the second loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sec, on the second loop. And Hector, all Hector has to do is fucking sit there. No, no, Hector can't sit there. The fucking Egypt goes out and takes the car and goes for a drive, obviously trying to drive home or whatever it is. All Hector has to do is sit for an hour and let itself resolve itself, you know, or at least try that option. But he doesn't. He's too much of a fucking asshole. I, I, I'm sorry I'm being too harsh on him. I want to ask you a question, another question, because, and it's about the end of the film, okay? They're, they're all available. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not currently, none of the scripts are currently options. They're out, you know, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Yeah. I'm going to talk to my reps, Kevin, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll have some conversations off mic, okay? okay. About, about your time okay. scripts. Um, <laughs> but okay, at the end of this film, okay? We're obviously in full spoiler mode. He, it, it, Hector 2, at one awful point, thinks he has accidentally killed his wife, okay? Uh-huh. And he's in despair about this. He thinks, and that drives him to go... So, you put it in people's head, though. He, he is engaged in a, in a cat and mouse chase, and he's in the house that he is befouled now by the decisions he's made. And... She is running away from him because he's wearing bandages over his face and she thinks it's a mass intruder. He's Michael Myers. Yeah, he's Michael Myers in this he scenario. Is. Yeah. And he she's gone up the roof to for some reason, I think, to, to in a desperate sort of like slasher movie chase to get away. And he grabs her by the leg and he pulls her back and she falls off the roof, collapses all the way down, and um breaks her neck and is killed. That's then. He's in despair. He's going, oh, I fucking kill my wife. So he goes, and that kind of is one of the motivators for him to do it again, right? To go back in and do the time loop and fix what he's, you know, the, the mess he's already made, yes. of course. And of course, that just gets worse. And he ends up in the third loop, ends up in the house with the Hector two and his wife. And well, he, he hides his wife in the in the shed underneath because he stops her from climbing out the window. So that's her safe. But the girl, who is who is not dead, is now running around the place. He cuts her hair to make her look like his wife. He puts on the her his wife's jacket. She ends up no, and I think this is a big plot holy type of thing. She ends up accidentally falling off the roof and dying in the place of his wife. But my question to you is this, right? At the end of that version, and basically at the end of the film, he ends up taking his wife out of the shed, who's now alive, and he goes and he sits on the sun lounger and brings the sun, he puts her in the sun lounger and he takes the other sun lounger over and puts it beside her. She's already called the cops, his wife. So the cops are coming. We know they're coming. He's lying there beside his wife. He's got a dead girl with a broken neck uh, on her driveway, right uh, uh, at the foot of their house. What do you think happens to him after the credits roll in the story? What do you think happens to him? The time loopy stuff is finished, right? What do you think happens to him? So the police come along. They find a a van crashed. They find uh, a car crashed. They Mm -hmm. find a guy with loads of injuries. Yeah. Uh, She's going to be tied to the car. Yeah. So So... the police are going to say, why did she end up in your house? He could just say whatever. He could say that she, why is her hair cut? And also, 
they have a phone call from the wife saying, there's an intruder in my house. That's another mm-hmm. thing. And so, she cut her hair and she's wearing the wife's jacket. And um, I'd say he's in, he's in a sticky situation, but he might get away with it. I think he'll try and get away with it. I, I think, think he'll try and get away with it, but I don't know if he will get yeah. away with it. It's very hard to get away with murder. I'd never try it again. But she... <laughs> Just like you're murdering the fact that you've got how many time loop scripts? Three. <laughs> that, and that they're available? Three, okay. In future Emma's dead and Brink. The thing about it is, what has he actually done? Yeah. What has he actually done? He hasn't... She's she. The girl has died because she's fallen off the roof. He hasn't actually No, no, her. no. He, he sent actually... her to her death. He's responsible for her death. Well, he could say that she was climbing out the window. I think he's going to get away with it. I think he's going to try and get away with it. And he actually might get away with it. In the court of law, he might get away with it. I'm not rooting for and him to just... get away with it. No, I'm not rooting way. for it. But what was, I think, entertaining about this film is that it had me thinking about these things once the credits rolled. Because... His character kind of got under my skin a little bit. Not that I hated the guy, but I was just kind of enjoying watching him make the decisions that he made and watching it in an Alan Partridge sort of way. You're kind of going, oh, no, you're doing this. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, you fucking Egypt. Don't do this and don't do that. Of course he, of course he took that option. Of course he did. The iconography of this film as well is really striking. I, lo- I love the look of the guy with the pink bandages great yeah looks great it does they made a poster which is behind my head for all our listeners it's behind Will's head <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> have you seen any other of Nacho's movies this was his first film I have not even, even though I know of one I know uh, of uh, he made a film with Anne Hathaway called Colossal yeah very good have you watched that with Jason Sudeikis yeah it's brilliant yeah oh, I haven't watched it it's not a high concept film. It's where there are kaiju, you know, Godzilla type creatures yeah. that exist. Yeah. And it's linked to her consciousness. So anything that she does, any, um, she moves back to uh, a small town. She's sort of like coming apart. And Jason Sudeikis runs a, a little dive bar and uh, they're having mm-hmm. a relationship, but she's an alcoholic. And anything that she does while drunk I believe it's while she's drunk the kaiju does on the other side of the world so the news is just constantly coming where thousands of people have been killed and buildings have collapsed and she's watching the news and she sees that if she swings her arms from side to side the kaiju does it if she jumps up and down the kaiju does it and suddenly she's aware of the wreckage that she's causing in this butterfly effect through her actions and it's a really fun film I, I loved it I didn't look up anything about this film because, you know, I was leaving it to you. But I'm sure that Nacho Vigalando as well did Grand Piano with yeah, Elijah Wood. He, did, he yeah. did. All right, that's another cracking film. That's more of a Hitchcock yeah. film than a Twilight Zone type film. But that's also great. Did you watch that? I did. I did watched you watch it. that one? Brilliant. Ah. Uh, is it like a phone booth with a grand piano? Yeah. It's like... If t- it's... Ooh, who was the, the sniper? Was it John Cusack? It's not John it Cusack. It was John Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack yeah. has, he is in one of the balconies at this concert hall and mm-hmm. Elijah Wood has to play a specific concerto or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm using words so I don't understand. I don't know what a concerto is. He's to play a, p- a specific piece of music, a difficult, or he'll be killed. One. And it's it's a yeah. it's a Hitchcockian film. It's like it's the character is having to navigate a tightrope. And I love that he has these types of premises to his movies, and um, they're all really stylishly made. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his stuff. He did. He did a lot of. Uh, it, it worked a lot with Blumhouse. He did a lot of Blumhouse stuff. Blumhouse. But, um, sorry, is it Blumhouse? Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with worked, Blumhouse. He d- it was not a time he, travel thing though, and it never got made. <laughs> <laughs> if it was time travel, it would have got made. It would have gotten made. That's the thing. They did Happy Death Day, <laughs> and it, they didn't do Emma's Day. Not Emma's Day, but the um, no. oh, it's Happy Death Emma's Day. Emma's Day is better like, than Happy Death Day. I'll just put it out there. there. You go. Oh, definitely. It is. Yeah, absolutely. They, Fuck he also, he's kind of gone back. He, Nacho's kind of gone back to Spain and he's doing a lot of miniseries, Spanish-based miniseries in the last few years. But Time Crimes was supposed to be remade. Tom Cruise was attached to do the American remake of Time Crimes. Interesting. Was, yeah. And he was talking about it back in 2008 when the film came out. In one of the interviews talking about Steve Zalian was uh, doing the screenplay mm. Tom Cruise was attached and he was saying he was basically really excited he said it's so exciting that this film you know is this has happened to the film because it's going to be great for my career and all this sort of stuff and it just that film that film never materialized and I went oh wow well, isn't it so he still got to make Colossal and then he did Edge of Tomorrow which is a time loop movie yeah that one got made. Oh my God. Maybe I should write a time loop movie. I wouldn't recommend it, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I swear to God. No, I feel like I, I'm I, stuck in a time I, loop saying the same things. No, dude, I would. don't think I'd ever uh, chance a time loop movie. But yes, but, well, I, I want to see Colossal. He did another feature called, uh, it was going to be Extraterrestrial. That was another feature he did in 2011. That one, So I, I haven't seen. Was that based on, he did a... Do you remember there was a trend of really nasty anthology films like ABCs of Death and yeah. VHS? You I, did one of those? Yeah. I think Extraterrestrial might be based on one of those because I saw one of the sh- one of his segments for one of those films and that was quite good. Um, ah. It was about a... He did, a he did one in both, actually. Yeah, he would have done because he's in that new collective of genre filmmakers... Right. And he was part of that community. I can't say much more. I definitely... I was never part of it. I definitely... You were... (laughs) If only you had written a successful timely movie that had crimes involved as well, Kevin. That's where you went wrong. That's what you needed. Uh, Do you have anything else to add? Not really. I enjoyed it. Are we done? (laughs) Right now, would you recommend... I'm getting to the recommendation point, Kevin. Yes, I would 100% recommend this film to people... It is a little slower in the second act, mostly because, as I said, after a decade now of so many time loop movies, I realized that... um, It was him. It was Yes, it was him and that he needed to get on with it a little bit quicker because he's going through all the steps of, and now he's got to get the phone call, and now he's got to get to the girl, and now he's got to get the bandages, and now he's got to stab the guy in the arm, and now he's got to go over to the building, and now he's got to do this, and... There was just a lot of A, B, C, D uh, steps of the of the plot in that segment. Um, it was necessary for a first time watch, I think. And at the time mm. in two thousand and seven, this was very novel, and it was there weren't that many films like it to compare it to. No, as I say, ten years on with Edge of Tomorrow and and 
the Lazarus project and, and source code and stuff like that. We know all those steps, so you can sort of get to it a little quicker. But other than that, this is a really fun, timey-wimey thriller that will keep you engaged throughout. And it's a short film. As Patrick said, it's 90 minutes long. I loved it at the time. I studied it a bit more this time. I still really, really loved it. And yeah, I would just have to recommend it. I, I like Nacho's movies and I think this is a cracking debut. One of the best debuts of any filmmaker, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I do recommend this film. I didn't find it as slow as you did. I thought 90 Minutes was a lovely, brisk place for this. I know what you mean about... Yeah, it's we just that kind 10 of minute chunk. It. Just where we kind of go, yeah, the audience has added it up. Yeah, the yeah. audience knows a lot sooner than, and you know, uh, than, than he does. With me, and the audience, I yeah. know a lot about time loop stuff. So, you know, I, was, I wouldn't know. How, how, how could you? It's not as if you've written a screenplay <laughs> that involves time loop. Have you given? I have, and they're available. Go on, Will. Finish your, your final up. thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen, I, that was the only time it dragged for me. But I, in that first section, I found it genuinely thrilling and a little bit cr- quite creepy, actually. Yeah. But once he becomes. There's, there's a lot of delight in this film. The, the delight of the puzzle unraveling and cl- or, or the puzzle actually clicking into place. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for the most part, it does click into place. It is quite satisfying to see the little moments all working together and a little scream that you heard in minute 15 actually is paid off, you know, an hour later. And you go, oh, that was that scream we heard way long, long time ago. Oh, cool. That's great. So all those little things are satisfying and for the most part they do actually work I think the performances we actually haven't said it but I think all the performances are really good the main actor is Cara Elayande I know I'm mispronouncing that so he's Hector and honestly he carries the film I think he is is he your MVP? no I I honestly think my MVP is the writer director uh, Nacho Vigalando not only did he make a kind of a cracking or feature film debut, but he also is a fucking actor in this film, and yeah, he's very he's good, a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got a he's got a lovely bushy beard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm recommending this film. I think we're we found another gem, and thanks to Patrick for suggesting it. I really appreciate this. I love the fact that we're getting our Patreons to recommend films to us because yep. now it takes away an awful lot of the filtering through the shit. Well, this was just for this week because yeah. you turned down two films, which we'll mention on our Patreon when we do our bonus podcast. We can talk about what those films were and why you didn't want to do them. Um, but for the rest of the summer, we're going to get back into hopefully finding a flop that we might end up liking more than people did at the time. That would be the mission. That would be the mission. But so far, we've found we found two good films so far. Yes, but we'll do more Patreon picks because we did ask on Patreon for people to um, send in their suggestions and we have gotten a number of them now. So we'll share them later in the year. But for the time being, let's get back to the wheel. Will I spin the wheel? 
Am I spinning for you, Kevin? Because you're no, going to be doing it next because week. Because you chickened out this week, you going you're going to do it next week. So Damn you. <laughs> damn it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fair enough. So I get to pick again. So Hey, Patreon listeners, if you can hear this, I'm going to be calling on you again. Just a pretty good chance. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. And this is, again, it's visual and no one's going to get it. I'm watching you on the monitor here and you're out of sync with your your lips. So it's like you're dubbed. <laughs> it's ah. like you're, you're displaced in your own time. So your voice is coming out, but your lips are... Yeah, I'm not offended by that, but if you, but if you said that I was a, a, I was like I was a dub, I would have taken offense with that. Well, who wouldn't? I'd never say that. Jeez. Yeah, okay, thanks. I'm spinning right now. Here we go. It's not a glorious sound it is. No, it's not in Dublin, but hotels. And okay, it's what did you get? 1995. So you're going to do 1995 next week? No, Kevin. you are. Wow, you are. <laughs> Next week, Shit. 1995. We're both going to do it. It's not next week. It's in a fortnight's time or whenever we do this thing next. Mm, true. Next time. Next time. We're going next to do it. time. Yeah. Do you know what? Well, taking fortnightly breaks is a bit of a time crime, I think, when you're a podcast. Oh, God. But stick with us. Oh, God. Please stick with us, please. Jesus Christ. Yeah, for quality entertainment such as this and Kevin trying to shill his time fucking loop film scripts oh Jesus Christ future, come back next week for whatever genre I have Emma's dead Kevin's got to shill back in time one gets to the future and one gets stuck in time very good scripts highly recommend it. okay um, also okay, as we say we're on Patreon we're banging out episodes over there sometimes two a week uh, we really are enjoying it. It's three twenty-five uh, a month, which is less than a cup of coffee to be a subscriber. You get so many bonus content um, over there. And if you don't want to be on Patreon you, and you're on Apple, you can just hit subscribe on the little button under our name. You can subscribe and to that. You get a free trial for three days. And even if you don't want to subscribe or do all that sort of stuff, a review, a written review on Apple and five stars is another way to send us your love. And that really, we really appreciate that. Listen, honest to Jesus, this is no straight talk. It's the only way for more people to discover the podcast and for us to get new listeners in is for you guys who haven't already recommended it and you still listen and you enjoy it, recommend it and then others will find it. Uh, it's the only way that we have of getting more people on board the best bits hype train you might be used to us but maybe you've got a friend out there that hasn't is also into films and just this week how about a little mission for yourself if you do want to subscribe this week go and find that one person and say you know what you should listen to the best grits and subscribe to the best grits to the best grits grits and uh, we'll see you next week no we won't we'll see you in two weeks Unless you sign a Patreon, oh then we'll see you in a couple of days. <laughs> Actually, we'll be talking to you on Discord in a few seconds. All right. Good night. All right. We'll leave it there. Good night, everyone. Good luck. Enjoy your summer. It might be the last we ever had. That was the end of the best bits. 
The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com.